I just pop my beer. Um, yeah, and then we can get started. Uh, I'm assuming you don't have any K-pop songs you want me to play for you. Not in particular, but I've been down a deep hole because I miss uh, Korean barbecue. And I do now have a K-pop playlist on my YouTube. All right. So maybe after this is over, just send me one at random and I will insert it right here. Today is going to be a, kind of a different topic. So I am here with Dennis, who uh, is going to enlighten us all about professional wrestling. Um, and you know what's funny is before we you know, started recording this afternoon, um, I was browsing through Ringside News and there was this funny article from, um, it was just like a nothing article about The Undertaker, who is a wrestler that even I remember from uh, the 90s, I guess. And it was talking about him on like social media. He didn't want to go on social media because he felt like it was just going to ruin the image. And there's this quote that says, I think I was the last holdout to kayfabe. And it's funny. I was probably the last guy to social media too. I remember I posted something I don't even remember what it was. I normally don't do this. I normally don't look at comments, but I was kind of scrolling through and there was a comment that said, my childhood is dead. The Undertaker is now on social media. It's all over. I'm thinking to myself, you're right. I'm sorry, man. Um, and to me, that just like, I don't know, that just, it felt like something a K-pop idol would say. You know what I mean? Like that uh, difference between trying to keep the illusion separate from from your like normal everyday reality but then the best part of that ringside news article was that it had like 10 down votes <laughs> like, <laughs> because, and i'm assuming it's because people were like oh the undertaker is apparently a pussy now down vote <laughs> yeah i mean he's from like an old era of you know kayfabe is basically for those that don't know it's just a code word that wrestlers would use to maintain the illusion of the stuff that happens in ring or on the show is real life because it's their job as wrestlers to to get you to suspend your disbelief and buy into the product, kind of like how movies, you know, casters look for good actors so because you know the movie's fake. But if it has bad acting, you can't, like, you know, suspend your disbelief in that moment in time. And given with social media and everything we know about wrestling now it's you know people are i think people are dubbing it as like the reality era you know we get all this backstage news and stuff and it is weird because he's one of like the last really character or gimmick driven characters we have left over from that time period yeah i, I mean that's a time period i remember from when um my younger brother was really into wrestling like when he was in middle school but when did when did you start getting into pro wrestling? Was it something that you always like watched as a kid, or it was probably because my mom didn't allow it, and so it just kind of became like I have to watch it just because it's probably awesome. She won't let me watch it. 
<laughs> so I would uh so as soon as I got like my own TV in my room, I would watch it on like video sharing sites, like early video sharing sites, uh like before YouTube. And then um when I finally got my own TV in my room, I would uh, my bedtime was at nine, and that's when like Raw would start. So I would just turn the volume all the way down, and just like watch like two inches away from my TV, which is probably <laughs> why I have like these super thick Coke bottle glasses now. <laughs> I'm just imagining like Tiny Dennis just watching wrestling in like total silence. Like <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> I've been to. Let's see. I've been to two WWE shows now with my um, old roommate uh, was like a big pro wrestling fan. So he took me along. And then I've been to the um, the a couple of indie shows with. Was um, it our uh, mutual friend? Uh, no. Um, yeah. And so we went to one WWE show that was not televised and then one that was. And they were both a little bit different, which I thought was kind of interesting. But um, yeah, being being in the audience for a WWE show was like it was pretty incredible. I was really like blown away. I was not expecting to like it as much as I did. Yeah, I think that's what changes a lot of people because there's just like an energy there. But like I have really fallen off the WWE bandwagon. I've definitely gravitated a little more towards All Elite Wrestling, which is like the new promotion that started last year and uh but mainly what i've been watching the last few years has been new japan pro wrestling so everyone just kind of thinks i'm this little hipster weeb when it comes to wrestling (laughs) yeah and what what little i know about um japanese wrestling comes from watching their variety shows so wrestlers will show up and um one of the female wrestlers is this that I know one of the only ones is this um woman Ito Maki and oh Maki fucking Ito yeah (laughs) (laughs) because she she showed up on like um a tv variety show with one of the like j-pop groups that I like and I was like oh there's a lady wrestler um but yeah she's pretty cool I came across her because um her her Twitter or her Instagram posts kept getting uploaded to r slash squared circle, which is like the overall wrestling subreddit. And it was just, she's practicing her English, but she says like the most ridiculous and vulgar things. <laughs> <laughs> and so she'll like say something super motivational, but then her picture would just be her flipping somebody off. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the last one, last time I looked, check, checked it, it was like, hi, I, it was something about being that she needs to be quite frank and TMI with us, but she's like, I'm just very constipated right now. Um, <laughs> I don't remember the whole post, but that's what I took away from it. I'm like, who is this person? She does a lot of the uh, over cross uh, promotion stuff. Yeah, well, she, what's funny is um, she used to be, or I guess still is, kind of a um, an idol, like a uh singing and dancing and um wearing cute outfits like idol and turned to wrestling because i guess it fits her personality better i just i I, like i recently like learned about that because um you know i miss sports and i just decided to replace it with even more wrestling (laughs) and so um there was a subscription service from ddt called ddt universe which i think they rebranded as wrestling universe because they actually bought one of these Joshi promotions called Tokyo Joshi Pro. 
and I decided to like click on a random video and I was very confused because like it started off like three girls singing in the ring and I just was like I don't know if this is a regular occurrence and uh you know that makes a lot of sense now that they have uh these wrestlers also be idols Yeah, I mean, especially for for women idols, I think, especially in Japan, there's a much stricter what you can and can't say, what you, um, you know, how you have to look. Um, And there's a lot of sleazy stuff that goes on, too, kind of behind the scenes. Um, And I think maybe professional wrestling is a way to, although I'm sure there's tons of sleazy stuff that goes on behind Uh, the scenes. have um, Have you checked out Dark Side of the Ring? Uh, I have not, but I will. Is that like backstage? It's a it's a documentary series on Vice. They just finished up their second season, and it's like their highest rated show ever. But it's such a like, and I think we're gonna get into this later on. Um, it's such an interesting, like the industry itself is so interesting. And Dark Side of the Ring basically just goes over all the darkest behind the moment scenes, uh, ranging from the Montreal screw job to. Uh, the death of Bruiser Brody or death of Owen Hart. Ooh, yeah, that's. I'm definitely gonna check that out. If you want to know about like the sleazy side of wrestling, then that's Ooh. definitely something you should check out. So let's, yeah, I guess let's sort of rewind a bit. And um, so, what makes professional wrestling different from, like, you know, the kind of wrestling you would do like in high school? Like, what what exactly are we watching when we see like two people in the ring? It's still athletic, but they have to script it so it's also dramatic or feeling a storyline or character development. So if you take the athletic competition, but then add in, you know, tropes from drama, theater, movies, TV, uh, you know, a lot of characters have long character arcs. Um, well, if it's successfully done. And then each match is supposed to kind of display a wrestler's athleticism and strength but also you're supposed to understand something about the character i mean my understanding is that like like yeah like all these tricks and like moves that they do still take an incredible amount of skill but you're not exactly judging them on like um olympic scorecards or anything you know and the like they know who's gonna win or lose yeah the audience doesn't know but they know and we know they know but there's still like it's still a lot of fun to watch them play it out i think it was like um you know jr jim ross who's a longtime commentator 
if you were a fan of wrestling when you were a child, you probably remember him because he's probably the main reason why you thought it was real because he called it like it was real, like when Undertaker threw mankind off the top of hell of the Hell in a Cell structure. You know, he was the one that was like, "By God, he just broke him in half." They're fighting on a on a steel roof of this cell. They use a that's a steel chair that mankind is oh my using. Gosh, look at this! It broke through. It broke through. That's a lot of weight. There's over there's two, three hundred pounders up there. They're they're destroying the the hell in the cell. And my God, don't get them over here where we are. What's going to happen here? Undertaker fighting back. He's fighting back. They're right above us, folks. And I don't like it a damn bit. Oh my God. Look out! overly dramatic but uh so he was also a talent scout for wwe for a while and they would have these open tryouts you know they're like if you have an athletic background come and try out and he used to say that it was often the football players or the collegiate athletes in general who thought wrestling was fake uh they got hurt during the tryouts the most so you know it does require a lot of training and you can't be unathletic and do it um like it still takes a toll on your body yeah and it but it also it's like all that as athleticism but then an added layer of like acting ability too yeah because there's been plenty of guys that have been great wrestlers but they could just they just never have that personality to uh make the company a promotion get really behind them and make them like you know the world champion like when you're when you're holding a belt like it's scripted obviously but it is also acknowledgement from your boss or your promotion that we recognize you as a hard worker and when you're that world champion you know that's like the recognition of like being uh the hardest worker the best talker the best character someone that connects with the crowd the best way possible so like you really do have to have like that charisma and unfortunately not everyone has that yeah, I mean, different people have different skills, you know, yeah. and I, yeah, I don't know, like, there's also the wrestlers that make other wrestlers look good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Those are typically what you refer to as enhancement talent or jobbers. Uh, you know, they know their role, their place in the card. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and um, the... But the winning the competition thing really hit home to me because, you know, in K-pop fandom, they have all these, they have these things, um, music shows, and they're actually, they're competitions and fans vote and judges will also issue a score. And then there's some other metrics they use, but essentially it's, it's fixed. You know, they have story, like, (laughs) I mean, fans, if they mass vote can maybe flip a script. But, um, yeah, like, usually it is very much predetermined to an extent, um, especially these big end-of-the-year awards from these music shows. And there was an infamous vote in 2017 that had um, BTS up against um, EXO, and, you know, BTS was winning, and then they found all these fraudulent votes, 
um, or somebody uncovered them and they had to, to, um, get rid of them. And then it was like, oh, oops, actually XO <laughs> is in the lead here. And, you know, stuff like that happens all the time. Um, you know, who, who even is nominated for these awards as part of like the, the narrative, the storyline that these companies kind of play out, like older groups yeah. kind of get pushed aside to let the newer ones in. And like it's the, typically like a pretty short shelf life, right? For a K-pop yeah. group. Yeah. I've done a little research and from what I understand of it, it's, it's like three main record labels, right? Yeah. There's three big companies. Um, they call them the big three. It's and, like JYP. Um, um, that's the one I really remember. Yeah, JYP, SM, and um, YG. And yeah, so there's all these like, again, just like, you know, you have all this backstage, like, gossip and stuff that fills news articles in wrestling, like you have it in K-pop too. And so there's always sort of um, people wondering, like, you know, oh, this award show, YG didn't come, or YG's not coming to this. And there's now um, YG artist. Right. So, and you like, probably start wondering the leg- legitimacy of like, well, you're missing a third <laughs> of the best artists, and so like, right, I can we right. call this a fair? Yeah, and so it, you know, there's all this sort of maneuvering of like, who's getting invited, who's getting nominated, um, and so so at the end of the day, I mean, really, you can look at those awards as like, who who is favored by that you know the the television um channel that's giving it out or the uh, company that's giving it out like at the moment um it's not really like an award of merit because there is all of this backstage you know shenanigans and stuff going on yeah i was like reading a little bit about the process and it it, it, it is really similar to wrestling um so from what i understand is they have like i assume what are young teenagers and they train them for years, and then the record labels carefully handpick them into a group. Yeah. And then debut them. Yeah. And then once that act gets deemed old, or they single one or two people out, put them on their solo careers, and then bring yeah. in a new group. Yeah. And that's that's very similar to how wrestling runs, um, especially with. Uh, WWE, you know, they have a whole performance center, uh, like in Orlando where it's like they train new talent to wrestle their style and then call them up throughout the years to replace lost talent or talent they seem not usable anymore. And then even like new Japan has the young lion system where you go into the dojo, you train for years at a time and then they finally call you up. Um, so that, to me was like an instant like similarity between the two yeah and it's it's like that you may you may or may not like even just getting picked to debut like you may or may not make it like that's just the first step this was uh but isn't it like uh oftentimes up to the record label so like i've been going down this rabbit hole of k-pop reading a lot of comments and there's one group I thought was very talented that I was kind of like, oh, they're not together anymore. Was What's the uh, next one? It was Four Minute. Four Minute? I don't think I even know them.
they had the song that was produced by Skrillex. Um, and I think it was like one of the first times of like a Western artist being meshed with a K-pop group. It's uh, like four or five girls in the group. And the, basically what I got away is like the YouTube comment was, the comment section was, uh, they should have been way bigger than they were, but the record label just never really truly got behind them for whatever reason. Yeah, that happens too. Um, yeah, you can tell sometimes like which groups you know, are favored by the company, which groups aren't. Um, and there's this phenomenon in K-pop where older groups, you can kind of see the resources given to them kind of dwindling um, as, especially as like younger groups are getting ready to debut or have just debuted and the companies want to just like push the old out and bring the new in. Or in the case of certain companies with girl groups, you just starve the group of resources because you want to marry one of the girls in it, which is another story. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, because <laughs> uh, 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 another thing I basically read in the comment section was about Blackpink, um, and like I think they've been, I think they're like one of the first acts that I knew, um, and. I guess, like, their fans are pretty restless at this point because they're like, we want, like, a full debut album. Yeah. I guess they've only dropped EPs here and there. Yeah. So I think a lot of their fans have put on edge. Yeah, That well, that's why um, they just did that song with Lady Gaga that came out, um, and everyone was, like, going crazy. And then they have a full album scheduled for in june i think so that should be definitely something to watch out for yeah because blackpink are great um they definitely deserve more more music but i mean it's up to the up to the company at the end of the day but that's the, that's i guess that's what separates idols from you know artists and that these k-pop idols like they're singers and artists but not but they're also actors and personas and, um, you know, I guess depending on what the company wants or needs, um, usually the persona and actor part kind of comes first. They are singers, but, they, but they're but they more than that. Kind of just like wrestlers are wrestlers, but, like, they're also more than that. I think, like, especially with WWE, um, you know, it, it's not, you know, it's it's pretty well known that there's some aesthetics thereafter you know they do want their woman there to be conventionally attractive so they can uh you know cross over into modeling because you know at this point it's not just like a wrestling company it's an entertainment company and there's creating content you know you know they're now venturing into giving individual wrestlers their own podcasts and so, you know, it's sometimes the, the easiest way for me to explain it is like wrestling exists in two planes. You have the kayfabe fictional universe that is influenced by the backstage political, real life politics and semantics of it that influences what happens in the kayfabe. Like um, Becky Lynch had to give up her title recently because she in real life got pregnant. So, you know, obviously she can't be an active member of the roster. Another wrestler that's been pushed for many years is uh, Roman Reigns, who uh, they have done so much with him. And I think 
the crowd it soured on the crowd very quickly and this is like a thing that happens all the time when they're like like this guy please and the crowd is like no we like this other guy (laughs) and so then they have the guy they want beat the guy that the crowd wants you see he's better and the crowd's like no we don't want him (laughs) (laughs) Um, complete misuse of his character in my opinion as well i don't think he's terrible I think he wrestles a very safe WWE style, which is very like get your five moves in, get your spots in. And then, uh, you know, he was part of a group called the shield that has, uh, Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. Sierra hotel, India, Echo, Lima, Delta, shield. Dean Ambrose would eventually leave because he was frustrated creatively. And now he wrestles at AEW in new Japan as John Moxley. Uh, Seth Rollins has probably been the most successful one, but they've had him churn heel, which is bad guy. Face is a good guy, heel is bad guy. But they've always kept Roman Reigns as a face and just kind of like really tried as hard as they could to put him in that main event spot. And it's not that he's bad, it's just that it was just crammed down our throats. And we know why. He's handsome, he's big, he's muscular, he's The Rock's cousin. You know, all this stuff. We know that. And but there's other guys we just like more, such as, uh, you know, in this case, uh, Daniel Bryan. The following contest is a triple threat match scheduled for one fall. Introducing first from Aberdeen, Washington, weighing in at 210 pounds, Daniel It was like this skinny bearded super technical wrestler and like by all he doesn't look like a wrestler i think that's why a lot of people love him he just has this charisma to him because he looks like a regular guy and then like when that was going on uh i think this is like uh wrestlemania 30 in new orleans they did this whole storyline of like the authority and so this is when like the kayfabe and backstage politics start to blend and blur you know, by this point, Triple H is, uh, you know, he's he's like in real life married to Stephanie McMahon, who's the daughter of Vince McMahon. So his boss is his father-in-law saying, oh, you know, Daniel Bryan, we just can't have you be in the main event of WrestleMania because look at you. You're just a B player. And so the whole WrestleMania storyline was getting Daniel Bryan into the main event. So this is when it's done super well because they knew what we wanted. And this is when you really buy into the kayfabe. Uh, you know, you know who to hate. You know, you hate Triple H, you hate Stephanie McMahon, you hate Vince McMahon, you hate Randy Orton, and you hate Batista at the time because I think their initial plan was to have Randy Orton hold the title and then have Batista challenge him. Batista was basically, he had left for a few years and I guess he was coming back paid him a lot of money to do a few dates because at the time um, he was promoting the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, He plays uh, Drax for those that don't know. And for WWE, they're like, that's good press because we can say we made a Hollywood superstar. So we just want him to appear in a few matches and appear in the main event of WrestleMania. But at the time, the crowd really wanted Daniel Bryan in there. And so because of that, 
they were able to salvage it and turn it into an actual kayfabe storyline. Yeah, that's the stuff I find really, really fascinating. Um, and one of the matches I saw when I went with my old roommate um, was with The Miz. Uh-huh. And this was like when I was like, okay, um, I'm, I could really, really get into this stuff, um, because he like comes out and my roommate's like super excited. He's like, oh, I love this guy. And I'm like, really? Like he just looks like, it's like okay, um, but he immediately. I had no relationship to this guy at all. I didn't know who he was. I was like, I was just there for a good time, and he got the crowd whipped up in a frenzy like myself included like booing like just booing him as he just like strutted around just like taunting us saying that he was from hollywood and um just like bragging about like being from hollywood and like like, how great he was and and i got so angry (laughs) hey look at what the world I love this because like he was a wrestler I just I didn't like at first just because I'm stuck in my ways and I'm like I like what is almost like the pilgrimage of indie wrestling where you start up in your local promotion and climb your way up Miz started from the real world which is I don't know if it's still a thing or not but it's a reality yeah mtv reality show i i watched that when i was like young it's uh i don't know if it's still on yeah i don't know and i guess he had developed a personality of i think his name is like mike mizinner i'm not sure but his name his first name is mike and he developed this uh personality called the miz and i guess everyone was just like oh this is just quirky but eventually, he gets the deal with WWE, and a lot of people didn't like that. It's like, oh, he's only there because he was on the real world. And, you know, that was a lot of uh, flack he got very early on. Um, but now he's, like, been one of, like, their most trusted guys. And so the whole Hollywood thing comes from the fact that he stars in a lot of WWE B movies. So I love the fact that he's like, I'm from Hollywood. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a A-list actor. When all his movies are, like, WWE produced movies. And I just think it's it's great, you know, it's a great meta thing they got going on there. Yeah, he was, I mean, I really enjoyed his um, match. He was so, like, charismatic, but in, like, a really, like, you just really hated him. (laughs) I mean, the best heels get people to boo them. I mean, like, no, (laughs) the worst thing for any wrestler is for them to go out there and have no reaction at all. Yeah, but he's very good at being cocky. I will, I will give him that. Yeah, I went looking, um, sort of like in preparation for for this. I went looking up like WWE compilations, and there's one that's like the like the best 
heel pops or something it, like the Miz is like right up there with like 8 million views <laughs> like, <laughs> where he came out and everyone was like yes the Miz and like well <laughs> you're supposed to boo me but okay <laughs> it was pretty good the other um, wrestler that I saw like that same night was um, Wyatt Bray, Bray, Bray Wyatt. Wyatt yeah and it was like it was like a K-pop show, honestly, because everyone like whipped out their cell phones, and is shining the um the light like lights, the lights, yeah, yeah, and like they like lowered the lights, and all of us it really like, because I've been to K-pop shows in um that venue before, and it was like deja vu. It was crazy. Yeah, I think he was you know he has like the Cape Fear character going on. Fun fact: I was actually in Baltimore when he first debuted on Raw. And this is like the interesting, another interesting thing about Kayfabe was we know the person that plays Bray Wyatt. Uh, the first time they brought him up, he went by the name of Husky Harris. <laughs> and uh, what was it? He was a, uh, I forgot what he said. He's like, I'm a tank with a Ferrari engine or something like that. You know, just... <laughs> My entering style is unorthodox. My football coach in high school used to tell me I was like an army tank with a Ferrari engine. And he was just basically one of CM Punk's henchmen, one of his goons. And uh, I guess they decided, okay, well, he doesn't have what it takes to be on the main roster just yet. We better send him down to development. While he's back in NXT, um, he develops this new character and comes back as Bray Wyatt. And so the thing about Kayfabe is like, we know that that guy was Husky Harris, but Kayfabe wise, the two are not related at all. But it's the same guy. Yeah. And um, I remember people chanting Husky Harris at him when he debuted, which is typically in bad taste. Cause like he was repack. That's what you call a repackaging. Like someone you ditch the old character and build from the ground up. Um, yeah. And like, I think now like, uh, his character has even evolved a little bit more because um, now he has this thing called the Fiend. Like it's Bray Wyatt, but he is also the Fiend, which I I don't entirely understand. But he wears like this mask now. <laughs> um, like I kind of fallen off the WWE wagon the last few years, so I'm a little at a loss as to how it got here. Yeah. Um, but he also has these segments called Fire, the Firefly Funhouse. Um, where he does this, almost like this Pee Wee Herman shtick, and then it has the fiend for when he actually wrestles. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird to explain sometimes. <laughs> no, it is it is interesting, and it's one of those things where, like, I've, di- I've definitely dipped my toe in, but I'm afraid it would, because I am obsessive, that I w- it would just take over my life um, if I got really uh, into it. And especially like with like what is it like Ross three hours, SmackDown is two hours, yeah. NXT is two hours, and then they have all this other content available. You'll just really dive in. Um, another reason why I got into Japanese wrestling because it wasn't so many hours of TV a week. Um, it just became easier to obsess over it. So what are the what are the big differences between WWE and um, the Japan wrestling? So Japan is called Budoso or Strong Style. Um, and the storylines aren't like as dramatic or over the top. Like WWE is very soap opera. I'm sure you probably heard 
the term uh, WWE is just like redneck anime. Um, <laughs> I have heard that, yes. Um, and I guess like New Japan, well, not 100% true, kind of uh, presented in a much more sporting format. Like there is still characters. Like you have a guy named Tai Chi who has like this gothic act and comes down to the ring with a microphone lip syncing his song. But generally, the storylines is I am trying to prove that I am better than you, and I am challenging for the title you hold, or I'm ch- challenging you for the place on the card, um, stuff of that sort. And they have like a lot more tournaments. Um, the style is different because it's called strong style because it is a stiffer style, meaning that the strikes and the holds are done in a stiffer way, which is basically just they are actually chopping you, they're actually hitting you because it's supposed to be. It's just their way of selling it as real. And then uh, instead of having people come down to the mic to start the show or interrupt the show by cutting a promo during the middle of it, they go backstage and kind of like a worse post-game conference would have like the sponsors in the background, the reporters and photographers outside the locker room. You know, that's how they cut their promos in like three minute segments. So you, so being good in the ring does take you a lot further than it would in WWE without have And then because there's, a lot more limited mic time because uh, it's more focused on the sports presentation of it. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Because um, I guess WWE has probably been, because I'm just remembering stuff like the um, <laughs> the Hulk Hogan major motion picture. Uh, I believe it's called No Holds Barred. <laughs> like, yes. And I mean, like, and I feel like that redneck anime image is probably like and the big soap opera storylines and i mean wasn't there like a uh like a limousine blowing up incident and oh um, yes um so vince mcmahon wanted to do this storyline where he faked his death the limousine blew up unfortunately they couldn't uh continue the storyline because of some grisly events that happened i'm sure many people are aware about the uh chris benwell double homicide suicide case so that happened so you know he had to come out and make a public statement obviously so when that happened they just kind of scrapped the whole storyline together yeah um so that's that's kind of my impression of wwe it's not to say that like new japan doesn't have story arcs like that um i think a great one to get into the topic about kayfabe would be uh the rise, the fall, and then the rise again at Tetsuya Naito, uh, who's like my personal favorite wrestler right now. Um... Yeah! 
because he was a guy they groomed to be the new number one guy. Uh, but the issue was he was too similar, too cookie cutter from the current top guy, Hiroshi Tanahashi. And, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi is probably the equivalent of John Cena, just to give you a uh, something to compare it to, because he really did drag that company through a very dark period where he was like the one star they had. So he would come out to no reaction. And they, you know, they had him slated to face another young up-and-comer Kazuchika Okada for the world heavyweight title over there and uh but you know the fans just didn't gravitate towards him at all and not even to boo him you know that's like the worst thing that could happen to you it's just complete uh apathy you know they don't cheer you they don't boo you your matches are just silent and so they held a um a poll uh to see who would main event uh, the Wrestle Kingdom, which is their equivalent of WrestleMania, would it be Naito versus Okada for the IWGP Heavyweight Title, or would it be the two more established veterans, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Shinsuke Nakamura, for their Intercontinental Title? And if if it's the Heavyweight Title, that should be the one that main events. But unfortunately, the polling went towards the more established guys for what it's should typically be considered a lesser of the belts, um, won that main event spot. And so uh, after that, they just kind of had nothing for him to do. So they send him to Mexico to wrestle for a bit. And in Mexico, he joins up with some uh, with La Sombra and Rush to form Los Ingobernables, which translates to the Ungovernables. So where he was treated as like a little baby face or good guy in Japan, he completely switches becomes a bad guy or a heel in uh in mexico and when he comes this back yeah no but it's kind of like it makes sense when he comes back because he's like no the company turned its back on me the fans turned their back on me i don't care about any of you guys anymore and he's just super like he doesn't care about anything he doesn't care about people he doesn't care about the titles he's like i'm just here to collect the paycheck um you know, in the context, it works because, like, that, that is what happened, is he he earned the main event spot, technically, but then they opened it up to pulling, and he lost that spot. So he viewed it as that as rightfully his. And when he goes back, he forms an offshoot group called Los Ingobernables de Japón, which is the ungovernables of Japan. <laughs> and, but, like, it, it becomes the hottest act in Japan, so they tried so hard to get him over, but the moment he stops caring, the fans start to care. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's a really good situation of, like, hey, kayfabe didn't work, and then you, this backstage happen, backstage stuff happens, and it starts to influence the kayfabe. Because he was, like, you know, he had a right to be angry. And um, basically, it turns into this seven-year character arc. Um, so he wins the title... But he's like, I don't care about this title anymore. Like, fuck this title. I'm sorry, I don't have a lot of curse on this. Um, no, yeah, it's fine. I, yeah, you can say you can say absolutely anything. Okay. And so like, he wins the belt, and he throws the belt away, and all of a sudden, everyone wants to challenge him because they're like, you're incredibly disrespectful towards that belt. <laughs> he's like, the belt doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is uh, my group. And oh, that's so Japanese. I love it. <laughs> and so. And so basically it turns into the seven year character arc for him because he wants that main event spot and he 
he eventually wins the Intercontinental title, which is the title that cost him his spot in the main event at Wrestle Kingdom. And he does everything he can to like damage the title and like break the title to the point that the company has to replace it with a new one. Because uh, <laughs> to him, like that title was like a representation of his failures. And then, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, he wins the G1 Climax, which is like New Japan's biggest tournament in the world. Oh, well, their biggest tournament. And it's like lots of like wrestling fans love that tournament. Um, and he wins it. And, you know, when he comes back, uh, you know, he, his moveset is also different. It's a little less flashy. Cause, you know, when you typically have a flashy moveset, you know, the fans ooh and awe at it. And I, I don't know if you noticed, but like, it's usually the faces that have this flashy moveset to make to get the crowd on their feet basically you know get them to get cheered and so he loses in the main event at wrestle kingdom because he tried to go for his old finisher which was a off climb the top rope jump off do a flip stardust press and but he misses and then he blames himself because he's like look i bought into the crowd i bought into my old self that's not who i am i don't know why i tried to do that i was stupid and continues this being ungovernable uh, character, and then this most recent Wrestle Kingdom, he actually finally does the whole thing and wins the title in the main event, kind of completing that character arc, like I said, that was 70 years long. That's amazing. But then we don't get to see the payoff for it. They're like, you know, see him do the, his post, his, uh, his, his post-match promo because another wrestler comes out and attacks him. <laughs> and so now we're like i was super interested to where this was gonna go because um you know japan like the rest of us was affected by covid so new japan just chose to not run any shows and uh we're coming off reigns of very dominant champions and you know this is very these was booked very differently from the way okada was booked and okada was booked to be very dominant so like that's just like a great like hey you know kayfabe they want to make this guy look great make him be the next top guy it doesn't work but ironically him coming back not caring made it work and you know you do you get that with idols too um a lot of times where they they will try to push like one guy on you or one um like one person and it's just like uh like you get kind of overwhelmed and you're like no 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 and um, everyone will just, like, pick somebody else to be their favorite. Or, like, the, the character that doesn't work, or the persona that doesn't work. And they'll do a complete rewrite. Like, um, so, you know, uh, BTS, they have um, this one member, Jin, who, when he first, he's very, like, extremely handsome. And so when he started I out... <laughs> when he started out, he was, like super um like they tried to make him like this cool icy like prince prince type very princely and it just like it went nowhere um but then he had he had a uh what did you call it a character rebuild like a repackaging a, he had a repackaging and turned into like this goofball made a million jokes like very happy um kind of like dorky character and everybody was like, oh, we love it. And now he's like one of the most popular members. Not quite as uh, dramatic. It didn't involve <laughs> Mexico. But, I mean, that's um, like kind of like the beauty of it sometimes, though. Uh, I mean, 
Um, yeah, I was like a little shocked when you told me that like kayfabe exists in K-pop too. Oh um, yeah, it totally does. I came across this like funny video because I think I told you I went down a few different holes. One was BTS, another one being Twice, and then I kept reading these comments about uh, beef between two members in the group, and no one knows if it's real or not. Yeah. Yeah, that happens all the time. Um, one of my favorite J-pop groups actually is this group called Arashi. And when they were like, no one's, nobody's like, they're the most popular group in Japan right now. But when they were like, um, you know, essentially like one step away from trainee, just debuted, two of the members uh, pretended to date for like, I, I mean, it was like, two or three years three or four years they had like this long storyline going where they were like dating and clearly it was fake but was it but it was but <laughs> like it just made it everyone was, tune into the other groups it just made everyone tune in like you know it really hooked people they were like "Ooh, what are they gonna do this week <laughs> like, it was, uh, yeah, yeah. So they, so like groups do stuff like that, um, or they'll play up friendships, or yeah, like, oh, they're not talking, um, like all that kind of stuff goes on, like as well as the maneuvering with the companies, and you know who's getting pushed this week, who's not, who's going to win the award, like who are we not even going to nominate for the award, all that stuff, and they have like all the, um, I'm not sure if WWE has a lot of like fan voting or any of these pro wrestling groups oh, yeah. fan voting but um like k-pop companies especially will certainly like rig results and um there was an infamous case with this group x1 where they were called out for basically picking the winners of a reality show based group um before the TV show had even started airing. So people were voting every week thinking that they were voting for like the winner, but the winners had already been decided. And is this something that like the, uh, that the groups or acts themselves are like aware of or are they often caught by, are they in the know or are they often caught by surprise? I think, I think it's a mix. I think sometimes they are in some, like the, the two idols that like fake dated, like they, like they did that themselves. But I think sometimes groups are caught unaware, um, which is, it's kind of sad when that happens and they realize like, oh, whoops, (laughs) I guess people actually didn't like us as much as we thought. It's kind of sad. I guess it's like when you win a title and then fans vote that you're actually not that great. Yeah, I think, uh, okay, uh, I looked it up and um, I think what I was referring to was a member of Twice named Jingyong. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And a member of... BTS named Jimin? Oh, Jimin. I don't know how you say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So everyone, like, I saw this whole YouTube conspiracy video that the two hate each other, <laughs> but no one. I was just basically trying to figure out where did it start. And... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Those videos, like, it's, I mean, that's another, like, similarity is you definitely get, like, the compilation videos with, like, millions of views. Like, some of these... Like these conspiracy theory compilations just have millions of views. 
And yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, that's one of those things, like, is it kayfabe or is it not? You don't know. That's so good. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> and that's what keeps people hooked. Like, it is like a big um, soap opera, uh, as long as, I mean, I feel like as long as everyone's on the same page, like, it's fine. Um, the problem is when people um, think it's real, and especially, like, fans watching that that take it way too seriously um and that's why because we were supposed to have this um conversation last week but it felt kind of ghoulish when um uh kimura hana who was a female wrestler um had uh taken her own life um because of cyberbullying from people who i i mean just judging from the articles i read and I think kind you of... maybe touched on it a little bit earlier, uh, you know, with idols and stuff like, cause she was very young. I think she was 22 yeah, and, 22. and like, you know, and I had only recently really gotten into Joshi wrestling, which is Japanese women's wrestling because the promotions over there don't have a women's division. Instead they have full on women's promotion. And I think it's kind of better that way because I think for the most part, they produce better talent um because they're competing against their uh, male counterparts and so i only recently got in familiar with her the last few months because uh bushi road the parent company of new japan bought um stardom which was the promotion she had belonged to and based off what i read it was also a lot of like 22 we're going to make you the face of the company and we're going to uh we also want you to be a model and we want you to go to this uh like I don't know if she volunteered or they told her to go to this reality show. Yeah, um, Tara's house. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Um, but uh, you know, she's on Tara's house. She's wrestling, and they also want her to be a model and be a face of a promotion. And you know, at 22, and then the cyberbullying. I, I guess it was an incident on Tara's Tara's house, which people are blaming, but. I think there was a lot of other things as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it was just really shocking. Um, and I think there's a similar issue in K-pop as well, I think. Um, yeah, I yeah. There were two um, female idols just within, like, the last year or so um, who took their own lives um, in part. At, and I think it's, it's the same kind of issues with the... Um, the really, really nasty comments from um, sort of these online bullies along with... I think, like sort K-pop, of... I, I don't know, I, do they call them fan cams? I, I don't know what you actually call yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, fan cams. But, um, like, these people that run, like, these K-pop burner accounts, stand accounts, I guess, you know, can really get anything trending. Um, I notice if someone kind of dismisses the genre or, you know... I notice it's always trending on Twitter whenever oh, it's so annoying. Yeah. Whenever yeah. they have backlash or whenever they need to lash at somebody. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things, especially for the the women, um, you know, because they do have these like idealized images that they're supposed to live up to and have a certain body type and have a certain like, you know, you're you're supposed to be like I don't wanna say like I think South Korea has the 
most amount of like small facial plastic surgery. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, and I think, uh, again, like very similar to wrestling, you know, when you bring somebody up to that main roster, you know, you have a plan for this person to be a future main eventer and people who know they're going to be stuck in the mid card or people who know they're just going to be stuck at job just kind of know that already. And they just kind of accept it. And I noticed like when I'm trying to figure out who's who in these groups, these fans label somebody as a designated leader. Yeah. Second leader or like main dancer or main rapper. And like, you know, I have to believe that's not the fans labeling that, but it has to be the record label. Yeah. We putting these labels on people. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. It really is. Um, and it's one reason um, I actually prefer um, the J-pop stuff in a lot of ways because that that pressure isn't there to the same extent. I mean, it definitely is. Um, you know, these yeah, like any any young person getting thrust into the spotlight is going to have a, an incredible amount of pressure on them, but it's it's not there to the same extent as it is in K-pop. Um, so I think in K-pop especially, they, they really are, like, you have to have a certain look. Um, a lot of the minor plastic surgeries, um, sometimes major ones, um, and they are really trained, um, you know, dancing and, um, like, the, the, the whole image, it's supposed to be perfection. Um, and any cracks in that, any kind of human weakness and... I mean, people can be vicious, and I think the incident with um, uh, Kimurahana on Terrace House was something with she had left her wrestling. She um, left her outfit. wrestling gear in the washer, yeah. and um, from what I understand, she knocked the person's hat off. And then I, I don't know who this other person is. I'm not sure if they are famous already or they're just on Terrace House. But this person had a lot of fans. That apparently, just kept relentlessly tweeting and saying nasty things towards her it's yeah it's really awful um and yeah k-pop fandom is brutal absolutely brutal with this i mean towards the the idols and towards other fans um i've had acquaintances who were you know relentlessly harassed um and called like awful names and um sent threats death threats um like over like over k-pop it's it is insane um i don't know what it is like it's it's yeah i, I don't know i mean i, I think it's what is you it know, you just get emotionally attached to these people i guess and you're ready to go like full shooters for your fave i think online. there's also like a very uh a maturity thing about it you know i could completely be speaking out of my ass right now but i feel like most <laughs> k-pop fans in the western world tend to be younger yeah um and just they're at the age where they don't realize that the social media can have consequences um but again i could be what you're talking on my ass they could be my age <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you know well i you know there are definitely k-pop fans who are um older for sure and unfortunately they can be just as immature 
Yeah, and I think, but I think part of it too, especially with K-pop, um, and I think with this Terrace House incident too, where, where, I mean, where they just don't understand that it's not real. You know what I mean? Like, like it's something happens on your TV or online. You know, it's you all, see like you know, oh, like like with the. Yeah, like with those hate, like with the compilation you watched with the Twice and BTS, like that, like something like that could trigger, you know, if it got trending, could trigger like hate messages towards, you know, both idols. It, and the whole thing is like, well, is it real though? Like you're going to expend all this energy hating someone for disrespecting your favorite, but I mean, it could just be kayfabe it's music it's subjective you know just enjoy what you enjoy yeah yeah just in, yeah like enjoy it for what it is um if you're watching a reality show um and it's it's not real it's it's a reality tv i mean it's been edited and selected and to show you something specific and i mean maybe it bleeds over into actual reality but maybe it doesn't. Who are we to say? We're just fans. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like I said, I didn't know that kayfabe existed in the yeah. uh, K-pop world. world. Absolutely. Um, well, so where could people, like, if they were interested in sort of checking out, um, like, wrestling, like, where would be a good place to start? I mean, it's on TV pretty frequently. <laughs> <laughs> what does it turn on TBS? Uh, like Raw's every Monday night at eight. SmackDown is off to Fox, I think. Uh-huh. AEW's on TNT every Wednesday night. Um, I'm gonna link you to some videos. I don't know if you okay. want to do another. I feel like I did a lot of rambling here, and I could have been more. Oh, don't worry about it. Um, on this podcast. I edit everyone to sound amazing. <laughs> um, but uh, I can link you some videos really quick. These are like some of my go-to videos when I'm introducing someone to wrestling. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I'll put them. Um, in, I'll put them in the um, the show notes. This guy named Super Eye Patch Wolf who uh, covers wrestling and anime, but for whatever reason, looks like an absolute Chad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, make some really good videos and maybe you could take away your own pretense and be able to tell better than I was able to. All right. And, um, so, and what should people like, if you're a total like newcomer and you're going to sit down and like, what, what should you want? Like, what, what should you look for? Like in a, um, in a match or like you want to have a favorite, like what, what would you look for? Honestly, I would go to the characters first um, before you go into in-ring things. Because like, the way I watch wrestling now is very different from the way I watched wrestling when I first started. You kind of know what you're looking for the more you watch it. And then you kind of, you know, like, I prefer the Japanese strong style to the North American WWE style. Which is basically like, get these five moves associated with you. And do them in the match um and it's the more you watch the more you will understand so like if you're a newcomer figure out what characters excite you the most um first before we start getting into in-ring technical abilities that's actually really good advice um and then my 
my advice would be um, just to to see if there's like a local independent um, wrestling scene like in your area and just go to a show. Yeah. Just, like it's cheap. Um, it's a lot of fun and you'll see some really great. And YouTube is great. Uh, every company now is like putting up free matches uh, as a way to promote their company. Um, we touched on it. Stardom uploads free matches. New Japan uploads free matches all the time on their YouTube channels and definitely worth checking out. Um, and WWE just creates so much content. So, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, it's not and for I everybody, would... but. Right. But I think um, especially my listeners, if you're interested in like sort of the mechanics of, of idle performance and like my big thing has always been um, like audience participation, which is like a pretty big part of being at the live show. So you can, if you can, like, you can go on YouTube and find like the, um, like compilations of people getting booed, which is always really fun. Um, the heel pops, which is where the heel gets cheered, <laughs> like, which is really fun. Um, oh, I was going to oh, say that turns. is a little like, that's a little like, cause good heels yeah. get, get cheered on a lot because it's, yeah. it's, it, I think it's mainly, uh, cause there's a cool factor to it now, like yeah because we know it's not real and so we kind of just like cool characters so <laughs> there's been a lot of faces that people boo because like we just didn't think they were cool you know we thought they were very one-dimensional or just very boring yeah, you know see, those those are the things that are a lot of fun to look at um any like you can look up any kind of crowd reaction um so if you're like a fan like me who just who loves like being part of that audience there's a lot to like about wrestling. Um, you can make signs. There's a lot of cool signs. Like if you like to have your sign supporting your favorite idol, guess what? You can make a sign. You can cosplay. You can make a sign supporting your favorite wrestler. Um, you can throw streamers. Um, if you go see Bray Wyatt, you get to like hold your phone up, just like you're at a K-pop show, and you don't have to wait for them to come around like once every five years. Also. They a lot of them have cool entrance music. This is true. Oh wait, what's who's that group? Um, what is it? New Day. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, don't they play instruments even? I think one of them plays a trombone on the outside just to be annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're great. It's They're great. Fun. Um, it's fun. I think they even got into like this phase of throwing pancakes into the crowd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you get a free pancake if you attend a wrestling show. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> what's not to like, really? Um, yeah. All right. So, do you have any uh, like final words of wisdom for us? I just. I mean, there, there's many different promotions out there. Uh, obviously, WWE is the biggest one. I don't necessarily think that means it's the best one, but it's the most accessible. You know, just go on YouTube. I think. I think there's something in there for everybody. And then once you get the basics down, you can sort of explore and like figure out what it is that's that's really to your taste. Yeah. Yeah, just like idols. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on, Dennis. I really appreciate it. Thanks for inviting me. All right, I'm gonna end the recording here. Okay.